Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Driving More Show. Hi, I'm Paul and I'll be your host this evening. Joining me this evening... I have got Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Always a privilege. <laughs> we'll start that again. Take two. Yeah, no, good evening, Paul. Always a privilege and a pleasure to be on the TDM. And, of course, good evening to our, our viewers on uh, the number one show on a Monday night. On a, oh yes, well, the, uh, let's narrow it down. The number one show on a Monday night at eight o'clock that happens to be about New Zealand rugby. Um, yeah. that's, not, <laughs> that's not big ourselves up too much about all of this kind of stuff. Um, so, yes, so that's um, what we're going to talk about this evening. Well, we've got all sorts of stuff. Uh, obviously, Super Rugby has come to a close, so we'll have a Super Rugby final to talk about Australia's threatened to leave Super Rugby. Boy, oh boy, isn't that fun in games. Uh, we, had the, um, we also had some booing at the crowds, which, which brought up some comments. We'll have a talk about that. Um, there is the uh, Pacific uh, Four Series that has come to a conclusion as well between US, um, USA, Canada, Australia and New Zealand in the women's rugby. And um, also we have uh, we had a, obviously had the, um, uh, the Gallagher Premiership and also the URC finals at the weekend. So we'll do a bit of a comparison of those three games. Uh, and uh, Stephen... Um, You've got uh, some uh, Auckland club rugby stuff to uh, have a chat about as well. Now, um, yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a, a non-rugby weekend for us in some ways because uh, I had a, a daughter who was not very well, so I stayed home rather than videoing both the A's and B's at Waihee. So sorry about that, folks. Yes, I didn't get out to any grounds. And um, Stephen, you weren't feeling uh, 100% either, so you didn't make it to any grounds either. Yeah, a little, little bit off colour, so I had to rely on a few uh, spies about the place here in Auckland uh, to, to uh, just give me a little bit of uh, information in terms of how things are going. And uh, good evening to uh, Simon Hughes, who is uh, joining us, uh, one, another one of our regulars. Um, yeah, so it, it, to be honest, it was a pretty quietish uh, sort of weekend, but managed to take in a little bit of footy, obviously, the the final of Super Rugby, which we'll get to, and uh, uh, caught, caught up with some of the highlights of uh, the uh, Black Ferns in the uh, um, Four Nations tournament. 
Yeah, and look, my best performing tweet of the weekend was my tweet saying on Friday night, oh, look, there's no rugby on Friday night. What am I going to do? Um, so um, so there we go. That was my big tweet of the weekend. Uh, my big tweet this coming weekend is, there's no rugby all weekend. What am I going to do? Um, especially as why he A's and why he B's are both on a bye this weekend. So I've not even got club rugby to go to either, Stephen. So, yeah, so a, um, <laughs> I have no idea what to do with myself. And it's a long weekend, folks, because we've got Matariki um, for the first time ever. Uh, in New Zealand is a public holiday on Friday, so um, it's a uh, it's all a bit of a uh, yeah a bit of a bit of a disaster. A long weekend with no rugby. Uh, the the powers that be, your scheduling is awful. Why was the Pacific um, Four Series not this this coming weekend? When uh, and uh, have it in a a blank weekend where there wasn't any competition, it, uh, any any other um, competitions going on uh, apart from the French Top Fourteen. This was a great weekend where it could have had the full focus of all the media. Um, but no, let's uh, let's host those games during Super Rugby Finals instead, uh, and uh, where the media is obviously concentrating on that, and also having All Blacks announcements. Um, yeah, just uh, yeah, scheduling, folks. You don't really help yourselves, do you, rugby? But there we go. Uh, Simon, letting us know the uh, Georgia Black Lions lost in the semi-final of the South African Division 2 in extra time. Well, there we go. Um so, but uh, good to see South Africa actually giving Georgia the opportunity for their players to get more exposure. Obviously, those are the, play- the players that aren't um, in the uh, French uh, top 14 or playing professionally um, overseas in that one. Um, and um, Japan have also kicked off their international season with a game against Uruguay as well. So um, good win for them there. And an October writes a long weekend um, for the tears of the blues to dry up. Lol. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you very much um, on that one. And um, October, it's not like I'm wearing a blues a blues um, shirt or anything like that um, this evening, is it? Or that Stephen's in his um, Northland hoodie. Um, I've still not got one of those from from Cam. So Cam Bell, if you're watching, where's my hoodie? Um, and um, the uh, and uh, um, so yeah, not, not like you've got two blues fans here that you're having a go at. But thanks, October. Um, I have to mute you on the chat, but there, there we go. Um, uh, Mary Dix uh, says, uh, take a break, Paul. Exciting rugby coming up. There is exciting rugby coming up, absolutely. Um, and that's why I want to have a look at um, and compare um, the uh, Super Rugby final with the URC final and the um, uh, the Gallagher Premiership final. Because what kind of rugby uh, can the All Blacks expect to face up against Ireland? Um, and uh, obviously the Wallabies hosting England. Um, so, Stephen, actually, I'm going to start there uh, rather than uh, and, and have a look at that. That's a bit of an odd way of doing it. But uh, um, for those of you who watch, oh, by the way, folks, yes, you can watch us live on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter at 8 p.m. on a Monday evening. Obviously, you can catch recordings there as well. Um, or you can listen to us as a podcast. For those people who are listening to the podcast, um, I've just put up some stats from the three games, um, looking at the uh, number of kicks from hand, the uh, meters run the number of tackles and the tackle percentages across the uh, three finals um, that uh, we had um, at the weekend. So in the Blues versus the uh, Crusaders, we had 54 kicks from hand in uh, that one. Um, uh, with the, the Stormers versus the Bulls, 87 kicks from hand. Now, look, after we saw those, the British and Irish Lions tour um, a, a couple of years ago now, uh, not surprising to see a few more kicks from hand by the South African teams but uh, more than a kick a minute. Then we get to the Gallagher Premiership, 105 kicks from hand, nearly twice as many kicks um, as we saw in the Super Rugby. Now, look, kicking 
in itself isn't necessarily isn't good or bad. Good kicking can be great, but Stephen, uh, a kick well more than a kick a minute. That's uh, wow. That 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 really is um, some uh, uh, a bit of a tennis game, isn't it? Oh, very much so, Paul. It probably actually says that maybe both sides weren't prepared to play too much rugby in their in their own half. Maybe look for contestable kicks as well. That's what it says, and and I think the scoreline probably reflected it at the end of the day. A very very tight one, and it might have took a, a drop goal in the in the in the closing minutes to seal the deal. So, um, yeah. Definitely a lot of kicking, and uh, that also might also uh, reflect in that uh, that tackle rate. Although it's it's still a fair f- amount of the, uh, of tackles. Eighty six percent of uh, tackles tackles made. Eighty what's that? Eighty three percent missed. So, so, so let, me, um, let me let me just quickly go through. I'll, I'll, I'll read the number out the tackles. There. So total number of tackles made uh, made. These are the successful tackles. Three hundred and forty eight um, for the Super Rugby final. 233 for the URC and 244 for the Gallagher Premiership. So 100 more tackles in the um, Super Rugby final. Now, for us, when when a lot of the um, uh, when when people have a have a, uh, a go at Super Rugby, they talk about the fact that oh yeah, tackling or defence is optional. Clearly not, <laughs> because there's 100 more tackles. Um, about well, more between 25 and 30 percent more tackles there. And then the tackle percentages you can see there, folks, are for the two teams. So the Blues were 91% successful and 89% successful for the Crusaders. Um, the Stormers, 83, whereas the Bulls, 87% successful. And then the uh, Leicester and Saracens were 86% successful and 83% successful. So this idea that um, uh, maybe that uh, there was less kicks in the Blues versus Crusaders because there was less rugby being played, well, no, because there were 100 more tackles um, and those tackles were were, were were more successful as well. So defences were better. And yet we still had um, near uh, over 200 more metres running. Well, actually 250 more metres running in the game as well. So a lot more rugby being played in the uh, Blues, in the Super Rugby final than there were in the other two games. Um, which uh, I guess, um, Stephen, for me, uh, I think we're going to see basically... Uh, similar tactics that we've seen from the Springboks during the Championship of trying to slow the game down uh, and uh, get the ball out of play as much as possible and just not play as much and uh, not get run off their feet. And we may see similar things for England against um, uh, against uh, um, the Wallabies and also, I guess, Ireland against uh, um, the, uh, the the All Blacks as well. Yeah, very much a contrast of styles in it, in it, Paul. And uh, you know, all it, all it's about is teams playing, playing to their strengths. So it's a case of whatever it takes. I, I think you know, it's probably the beauty of of rugby union that not every team plays the same way, um, and, and of course, different different styles. And uh, you know, depending on how good your weather is, also dictates the way that you that you play we're down here in the southern hemisphere a little bit drier in that early season we tend to see a little bit more more handling although it, we'll get to that uh, final um shortly no doubt um you, you can also see that still a bit of tactical kicking comes into, in, into play depending on the conditions oh absolutely I say kicking can be a fantastically offensive weapon I mean, crossfield kicks for example um uh, and looks at box kicking again. If you've got, if you've, if, if you, if you've already got the winger on that side uh, at the bottom of the ruck because he's made a tackle, then fantastic. Do box kick into that space. Um, but it's a matter of how, yeah, I would say, 
uh, when, you, when you're looking at um, well, a, a kick and a quarter every minute from that in that uh, that um, Premiership final, yes, it came to a grandstand finish, but um, yeah, I'm not sure it was a fantastic game to watch necessarily. Um, but there you go, folks. Yeah, contrasting styles. So I think it's one of the beauties of rugby. Um, what I guess I don't like is just the game being slowed down. Um, now, one of the things we saw in the um, Pacific Four series was the water carriers were not allowed on the pitch. So it's going to be interesting um, to see how that changes things and whether we get a bit more flow of the game um, during uh, during that uh, uh, when we see those rules uh, come into effect for the men's games uh, in those uh, the internationals that are coming up. Um, so yeah, so there you go, folks. That was just my little look at uh, some stats around those those different games um, and, what, and uh, what I thought that I did show. Um, but yes, the final then on Friday night, the Blues versus the Crusaders, um, 7 to uh, 21. Now, I was listening to a um, podcast today reviewing this game. They were like, oh, yeah, during the second half when the Blues looked like they might, might be making a comeback. And I was like, what game were they watching? Um, this was an absolute masterclass from the uh, Crusaders on how to uh, dominate a, an opposition. Now, I've had someone say it wasn't a domination. Look, the score wasn't that big. That's not a domination. It's like, well, okay, the score might not be that big, but in terms of actual play, the uh, Crusaders had a stranglehold on this game the whole way through, didn't they, Stephen? I'd, I'd have to agree with you, Paul. In fact, I almost found it similar to the rugby 1919, no, sorry, not, not 1919, the 2019. Maybe maybe my great-great-great-grandparents were there, but uh, in 2019, we were there, and it was the semi-final of the Rugby World Cup England versus the All Blacks, and it very much reminded me of, of that game, Paul, where I think the score really didn't do any any sort of justice. It flattered the the losing team on on both occasions, and there was no comeback. And in in, in fact, they pretty much to me sealed the deal uh, right on halftime when um, Bryn, Bryn Hall scored. But listen, their start I thought tactically the the Crusaders were very good. They they obviously implemented a plan in and around of of disrupting the line out, and you know. A lot of people are actually talk, talking about the um, are talking about the throw into the lineout and the and the lack of movement in the in the Blues lineout. But you know, if you talk to really good lineout exponents, a lot of the actual lineouts actually won on the ground, Paul, by the work that's done by the the lifters. And I think the Crusaders, yeah, they tactically had it perfect on the night, and they what they got ended up with ten steals or so, and um, really that was one component of the game but one only sure it is, a, it is a component of the game but again another tweet i put out during the game was that um the old saying pardon me that uh, no scrum no win isn't true anymore but this but it should be changed to no line out no win um, because the line out is the most important set piece in that game um we had 30 line outs um compared to 16 uh scrums now 16 scrums um, for Super Rugby is about mid-table. I've been keeping a track of uh, of how many scrums there were all um, all season. Um, so, but um, but still, twice you got twice as many lineouts as you have scrums. So therefore, you have twice as many um, what's uh, attacking opportunities, and that's the platform that basically you build your game off. If that platform doesn't exist, which it didn't for the Blues, then 
your, your whole game's out the window. Uh, and, and, and good luck trying to come from that. Now, it's come out that um, Scott Hansen um, has spent a month looking at the, Lou, the Blues line-out and how to disrupt it, um, and that uh, it wasn't Whitelock, but it was Quinton Strange, who was the defensive uh, line-out caller, whereas Whitelock was the attacking line-out caller. So on their own throw, Whitelock was, did that, whereas Quinton Strange just concentrated on the defensive one, which, again, that's a level of detail that perhaps the, the, the fans wouldn't think about, is that um, you've given Whitelock one job, well, I mean, obviously he's got lots of jobs on the pitch, but you've told him, look, just concentrate on our line-out and what we do. Quinton Strange will deal with their line-out, and that's all he, he has to concentrate on. And by dividing that between two players, you're giving them, obviously they can spend more time analysing that in the, in the, in the week, in the run-up to the game. And, uh, and we saw that play out. And so um, a lot of people are um, saying, yeah, fantastic work by, by Whitelock. And don't get me wrong, it was. He had a perfect 11 from 11 for his attacking line-outs. What no one's talking about is the fact that Strange was the guy that was running the defensive line out. And boy, oh boy, he did a number with his team, obviously, um, there on the, uh, the Blues. Yeah, nine successful out of 19. And of those nines, they weren't all clean ball either. Um, so that, does, that, that, that perhaps, again, another statistic makes it look better than it perhaps even was. And, and how good that you've got a player who's, you know, who's got a non-playing part in the squad that is still contributing in, in a major way. Um, it's it's fantastic that they don't they don't leave the guys who are not involved with either the match day twenty three now. I think Quinton Strange may have may have been on the on the bench for the final, but the fact is, those guys everybody is actually involved in making a decision, and it sort of gets to my my second point about their win. Just their attention to detail, Paul. Every forward seemed to know what was going on, whether they were whether they were carrying, they knew exactly where where to offload. There was a great little example of it, I think, uh, to Mighty Williams, who came off the bench as a replacement player. He'd hardly been on the field, and his first touch was basically to carry the ball a little bit, and he knew exactly where the runner was going to be and to where, where to pop the shoulder off, which created a little bit of space. Everybody knew, knew their job, and you actually – saw examples of that and that's that's my other point in and around the passing game the passing game of the two respective sides were like chalk and cheese of course one lot were getting very good position from from Bryn Hall but you've still got to put passes in the right places and I can only think of one occasion where they threw it over the sideline and that came through a bit of Blues pressure but for most of the 80 minutes it was the Blues that were passing under pressure and the mistakes were coming yeah, they were. And I mean, so look, looking at some of those players, um, actually, sorry, Quinton Strange wasn't even on the pitch, was he? he it was Scott Barrett was on the pitch. So I'm not quite sure why mm. they talked about but so But Quinton Strange was the guy that, yeah, they did apparently listen to, to reports afterwards, did a lot of work on that defensive lineup. Um, Scott Barrett, someone that I, um, I think a few of us have been suggesting shouldn't be uh, with, um, uh, sh should perhaps not be as, as, as high up in the rankings now or back, I guess before. 16 carries. Um, was the top cap ball carrier um, across either team. Um, only 28 metres, but hey, that's a lot of work um, to uh, to get through um, on that side of things. Uh, um, another player that people have been talking a lot about, especially in the backs, is uh, Fanganuku, and whether he'll come straight into um, the uh, all-black um, contention or all-black starting team now. 14 runs for 113 metres was the most of any any player, even more than Will Jordan. Uh, now, um, in, in that one, 
So, um, and uh, uh, whilst those players put the um, put the case forward for why they got selected for the All Blacks, there were a couple of players who, um, uh, well, there have been suggestions that they wouldn't have been selected for the All Blacks after this one. Um, I guess we're talking blues props essentially here, aren't we? Um, Carl, Carl Twinakafi and uh, Offer Tongafasi didn't have the best game when they came off the bench, did they? No, not really. You know, you really want to. You really wanted some impact from from your bench, and it, and it really didn't come. If you look, if you look at Crusaders, the the the, um, the mileage they got, especially from the front row guys of McAllister, Williams, and Newell, was just really really good impact at, at scrum time. They, these guys, I think, they pulled a a penalty in the second half, which I think uh, Richie Moanga converted into in, in, into three points. But in terms of the the work rate of the the Blues props, you really hardly saw any of those four props that were were, were really involved in the game. Lalala Hodgman, who I thought was probably the best out of out of all the props, but Tunukoyafi and, and Tuanga Fasi, I thought were very very poor, no real impact whatsoever. Yep, and um, folks, with the obviously the, the as I said, the, with not much rugby next weekend, um, we'll be look we'll be leaving our look at the All Blacks versus the Island series until next Monday evening, um, where we will look at that squad and try and pick our match day 23 for the All Blacks uh, and also preview uh, the uh, Mary All Blacks um, versus Ireland. So that will be on the show next week, folks. Um, so we won't dive too much down that All Blacks uh, rabbit hole um, off the uh, off the back of this game. Um yeah, I'd uh, as I say, Crusaders did their homework, um, disrupted that uh, the, the the platform for the Blues. Also, uh, had uh, did, did a lot of work at the breakdown where the Blues have been dominant um, pretty much this season. Um, and, um, uh, and and one of the points that was made on the Waddle Lad podcast review show was that uh, none of there are, there are no um, Crusaders Lucys in the All Black squad. Obviously, with Blackadder um, being injured. And unavailable, but so uh, yeah, so um, up against what is a all all black back um, loose forward trio of oh no sorry because choked um, started but in the second half it was um, Akiriwani, Hoskins Tutu, um, and um, Dalton Papilihi, all three in that all black squad getting outplayed by um, Christie, Cullen Grace, and uh, Pablo Matera um, there. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, uh, some. Um, Showing that, uh, yeah, and one of the points you've made about um, Razor is that he hasn't always had the, the the perfect cattle, but he makes the best out of the cattle he's got. Um, and that was a good example there with that one. Now, look, Pablo Matera, somebody that a few years ago was perhaps um, in um, quite a few people's um, World 15 uh, in that number six jersey, but still uh, the other two, as I say, overlooked by the All Blacks and yet uh, outdoing their All Blacks um, opposition in this one. Uh, any final things you want to say about this game? Because I think of um, actually, well, first off, hat tip to the Crusaders. Two weeks on the bounce, where they have faced the two the two best challengers in New Zealand, and both times have peaked just at the right time of the season, and have shut down those two teams um, in a very effective way, and won both games by a long way before the end of the game. Um, which perhaps not on the scoreboard, but uh, in the style of play. So, yeah, you've got to 
hat tip to um to to how the Crusaders organisation as a whole uh, have peaked for those two games. Yeah, Paul, just probably a, a few things just to un, uh, to unpack pick about um, uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa and, and especially the, the Crusaders. Listen, all the very best to Bryn Hall, who played his final game for the, the Crusaders and is heading, heading overseas. I also believe David Havili could be heading overseas at the end of the year, just unconfirmed at, at this stage. You know, awesome contributors to, to the Crusaders and, you know, five titles, six titles in a row, beg your pardon, is just, it's just truly amazing in this modern day. And when you consider the movement of players, you know, you could have uh, accused the uh, the Crusaders of having all uh, the All Blacks in their stable, you know, several years ago. But, you know, Robinson has shown he's got this ability to bring young guys through. You've seen we spoke about those young front rowers, but don't forget he also brought in Dom Gardner and also Zach Gallagher, two young locks, which he, he moved or used during the season. Um, so congratulations to to the Crusaders and their coaching staff and their supporters. But also the Blues, listen, it's not a bad season. This will be like a rock in their back, though, knowing that they had home advantage. But I did see a – I saw some warning signs, especially in the last 20 minutes of the Brumbies game, where they got dominated in, in that set-piece area and really just hung on by the skin of their teeth. But that's suffice to say – not a bad season. I probably take a little, little bit of issue with uh, with John Kerwin, who reportedly said in the press today, um, despite uh, the Blues going down, um, they could basically head off and and basically put together a uh, oh, what's the word I'm I'm looking for? Their own basically era of dominance. Uh, jury's still out on that one. Uh, <laughs> to to. To be honest, uh, Paul, um, even the Blues, I, I suspect they might be losing a couple of players at the end of the season. We know that Josh Goodhue is heading up to uh, Japan, although that's a, a like-for-like uh, a swap with uh, Patrick Tuipulotu. I wouldn't imagine they'd lose too much of their squad, but um, on saying that, they might, Coach Leon McDonald might have to look on some areas. And just finally, probably an area Actually, where... One of the players for you there, Carl Tuna Cap, Carl Tuna Cap Tuna the is heading to France yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, he's heading off. Um, and just one final thing, I've also, you speak about tipping your hat. Um, I know we've spoken a lot about referees during the Super Rugby rugby season, but um, listen, Ben O'Keefe um, came in for a bit of criticism of uh, the way he ruled a few rulings from last week's semi-final. I'll tell you what, I think he did a great job of um, th this final and uh, listen, a little bit of common sense in and around the, the two potential high tackles that could have been cards at the end of the day, but it was it was great that he made some on-field on decisions. I hear, I hear he's heading off to a referees meeting over in Europe this week. He's probably going to get his butt kicked over that <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, so I, I, we, I'm not going to delve into those because as you say, uh, well, I, I agree with one of them. I Slightly disagree. I mean, I, I agree it shouldn't be a card, but I do. I do slightly disagree on the on the, uh, uh, on the call. I'm on the others, but you say as a whole, very good game from from Ben O'Keefe off the back of an absolute shellacking in the um, what's the word I'm looking for uh, in the, the the sort of media in the social media at least for um, the uh, the game uh, against the uh, the Brumbies from the uh, the previous um, weekend. Um, the and yeah, looking at it as a season overall, um, I think we did a call. I did a kind of rating of some of the teams that didn't make the playoffs. But if you look at the finals, 
I think the Brumbies can hold their head high. They had a good season um, going out to the uh, form team of the year uh, in the uh, the semi-finals. I think the Chiefs um, started with a hiss and a roar uh, and will feel that they fell off in the second half of the season and uh, will need to go away, lick their wounds and uh, figure out what happened there, um, even even though a semi-final is 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 a, is a good is still a a, um, a pass mark for Clayton and the team. The Blues look that's a winning run. They'll be very happy with that. And uh, a final off the back of winning the Trans Tasman competition next year um, is uh, I'm not sure that I would go as far as J.K. as saying a period of dominance, but I can see them having a period of being a strong, challenging team um, alongside. Uh, and giving the Crusaders a run for their money. Because this Crusaders team isn't about to disappear um, and become also Rams anytime soon. Uh, but so, yeah, a, a good season for Leon uh, and uh, the Blues um, as well. Uh, definitely uh, a, uh, well, a more, more than a pass mark, a successful season for them, even if they did come up short in just one game um, at the end of the season, is how I would say that. Um, now, Nocturnal rights. Those fans who booed the officials after the game needed need, need to look at themselves. Um, look, yes, booing the booing the officials after the game, uh, I, I'll agree with. However, during the game, when we had uh, TJ on comms um, saying, "Oh, we don't like to hear booing of the kicker," boy, oh boy, look, we don't live in England, um, and yes, up north um, in uh, the British Isles, in England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. Uh, you respect the kicker and, you, and you're quiet. And that's the tradition up there. Uh, and it's the right thing to do up there. Down here in New Zealand, we don't have that tradition. Um, and you can say, Paul, you're talking with an English accent. You don't know what you're talking about. Yes, I know. So what? Um, but down here, making noise during the kicker is absolutely acceptable. Um, it's how the crowds are down here. And each crowd uh, and, and each country, having its own culture, its different uh, behaviours, I think is a good thing. Um and a different um, uh, diversity is a good thing on the whole, said Mr. Woke here. Um, and so the um, uh, look, when you have a New Zealand crowd that starts booing you, you know that they respect you. It shows you that they're scared that you actually might be a challenger. If they're not booing you and they're quiet, well, that's when they're like, we've won this game. We don't care. So booing in New Zealand is a sign of respect. Uh, uh, no, clearly not for the referees after the game, but during the game it is. Uh, and I'm all for that. Um, personally, um, Stephen, uh, you're on mute, but um, so people can't hear or see you're laughing at my jokes or uh, or your comments. But what's uh, your, your thoughts on this one? No, no, no. I was, I was just sort of keeping a little bit of background noise at, the, at, at my place. <laughs> so uh, listen, I, I agree agree with you. You know, depending on who the home team is playing, if they if they're booing the opposition when they run out, uh, to me that's that's that just shows a little bit of respect <laughs> that they're actually a little bit on edge about who they're actually playing now if if, if a team that 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 run that runs out if a team that actually run, run, runs out and the the local fans think oh yeah this is going to be an easy win they probably won't even bother booing them they'll still keep carry on sipping their beer beers or whatever they're doing in the in the stand and won't worry too much about it so i think the higher the stakes the more involved people tend to to get a little bit involved with it a little bit like a a, a referee you know, makes a decision that's perceived as not going the way the home fans. All of a sudden, they bring the the boo factor out and and boo or a knock on that's been missed. Um, it's just the way it is. I think it's just 
it's just the stakes at, at that that particular time. I'm I'm actually not too fussed about it. But I one thing I, I kind of don't agree with. I was listening to a little bit of uh, sports talkback radio today, and there was a a caller from Christchurch who basically. Um, had a bit of a moan about the, the amount of booing there was, and I, I actually thought that was quite hilarious. Having uh, been to Lancaster Park, having to been to been to the Addington Showgrounds uh, to support visiting teams, and I can tell you, it's uh, it can get pretty rough down there at times. But you know what? You take a deep breath and you go, "It is what it is." Yeah, exactly. And, and look, booing a decision during the game, absolutely, it's all a bit of, it's all a bit of pantomime for me. Um, booing uh, after the game. Um, look, no. Once the whistle's been blown, once you once you come back over that white line, you shake hands, you have beers, and you respect each other, and you respect the referee as well. Um, so there we go. Um, nocturnal rights. Um, give the Highlanders hell; they deserved it. Well, sorry, mate, but uh, yeah, we didn't actually. Oh, I guess yes. I didn't talk about the quarterfinalists, did I? Yeah, the Highlanders had a poor season. Let's be honest. Uh, not Tony Brown's best, um, but there we go. Um, on that one. Um, uh, a question mark in there um, from um, uh, from from um, Maurice Bass. Uh, when will the Crusaders be stopped? Um, can't go on forever like this. Well, <laughs> um, I think um, when they'll be stopped. Well, they're not going to be stopped under Scott Robertson. Put it that way, um, because look, at the moment, he is a very good coach. Attention to detail. He's bringing through players. He's brought through more players this season than he has done in any other previous season. Um, that he's been coached and he's shown he can cope with that. Uh, that was one of the things I questioned him about, um, whether that was going to be an issue for them when they played the Chiefs and I got to uh, do a post-match interview with him. Um, and he's shown that, look, he can cope with that. Uh, the, and uh, they had much more turnover this year than they have done before. Uh, so, look, I think their biggest problem is going to be when they change coach next. Um, is can they can they get someone else in who is um, uh, capable of keeping this dynasty going? Uh, that's um, with, with the Crusaders, but for me, yeah, whilst he's there, so that means you've got at least another two years. Oh, no, well, sorry, um, yeah, Rugby World Cup next year, so you've got another year of it at least. Um, because I think everyone's expecting him to be the All Blacks head coach, um, come 2024. Stephen, I, I just think they're one of those franchises that the fact that they have, have created a dynasty, you will find that very, very good teams, you know, like, like the All Blacks say. They they create this dynasty. They they create this this monster, and then everybody that comes on comes on board wants wants to actually be part of of that dynasty. We we have a situation like that right here in in Auckland, where where Ponsonby have been have won the the Gallo Shield so many times, and it's always the always the team to beat. And you find that a lot of good players gravitate to that team and you can see that with um Pablo 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 Matera would he have you know would he have gone to another another New Zealand franchise he was he was probably convinced to that was the right team for him to go through he probably looked at the at their dynasty and just thought hey that's the team I'm going to go to and, and the other thing is they have a very good uh club rugby competition in Christchurch, they also have a very good secondary schools uh, competition as well. Christchurch Boys High and Church, uh, Christ College, beg your pardon. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Are two sort of premier schools in in the in the Christchurch region, and those two schools have produced a lot of All Blacks. So, yeah, to answer Marissa, to answer your answer your question, no, I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. It may they, the standard may drop a little bit, but you can guarantee I think they will always be one of those franchises. Um, they're definitely not going to drop off the drop off the earth and all of a sudden become the fifth New Zealand franchise one year. I think they'll always be there or there about lurking with an intent because they've created their own own dynasty and they're they're kind of a city that's a lot's happened outside rugby as as well a couple of earthquakes and and of course the the tragic circumstances and you know with the the gunman who entered a mosque down there so they've you know I think they're always a uh, uh, they're a city that kind of looks upon themselves as a, a little little brother and, and look down a bit, but they've also got some a strong franchise partner with both Canterbury and also Tasman. So when you think about it, those two teams, when you think of NPC level, are always there or thereabouts. So I hope that explains it for you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, LB said, look, they said the same about Leinster. They lost, then they lost two finals. Sure, Leinster lost two finals this year. Will they be back next year? Uh, you have to wait and see. Uh, so, look, to me, um, we're not saying that the Crusaders will win the final every single year. What we are saying is they will be competitors every year. Um, and some years, they'll be slightly weaker competitors than others. But they'll never be the Highlanders down in fifth, like, like the Highlanders were this year, who were never, ever looking like um, being competitors for the title. Um, and, and that's the, I guess that's the difference um, that we're kind of, uh, kind of saying there. Um, a bit like, I mean, in football, you kind of your Man United's are always up there or thereabouts um, in uh, in that one as well. LB says, yeah, regions with strong farming communities usually do well. Yeah, yes and no. Um, I think you've got to say the times are changing, my friend. There in that one, um, and that uh, uh, most of the, or a lot of the players will come through first fifteens of teams, and which means that quite a lot of the players will gravitate to um, centres, uh, the larger centres. So such as Auckland up to St. Kent's, et cetera. Um, or, um, but as, but as uh, Stephen said, those two good um, uh, high schools in um, Christchurch, plus um, Nelson boys as well, uh, means that, uh, that they should be um, okay down there in, um, uh, in the long run. But so yeah, times do change folks and we've got to move, um, move with them. Um, talking of times changing, uh, and the uh, and and this is sort of times changing in a very very quick manner. Um, we've got a couple of people asking us uh, in the live chat about Australia potentially leaving Super Rugby. Um, the uh, in, in this one now, um, Stephen, we're one year into this new format, uh, and already we're getting told we might it might all be falling apart again. Um, so. Um, uh, what, what what do you uh, um, what what do you um, sorry Maurice uh, he says yeah 
Uh, what Man United? You must be smoking something. Man, Man United lost their aura a long time ago, my friend. Well, that shows you how long it is since I've watched football. Sorry, Maurice. I'm not a football expert. Um, but um, so there you go. My my bad on that one. Um, but yes. So, Stephen, um, a few questions there on um, um, Super Rugby. And uh, Christopher Edwards-Bailey is asking, will there ever, be, ever see a Super Rugby versus URC playoff game? Well, Christopher, let's first discuss whether Super Rugby exists beyond next year before we actually decide if there'll be a playoff game. Um, Stephen, what do you think of this of, of, of this news that's coming out of Australia? Yeah, it, it came out of left field, wasn't it? it uh, that, that grenade was pretty much thrown by the uh, uh, Rugby uh, rugby Australia chairman, uh, Hamish McLennan. Um, and you wonder if maybe there's a little bit of... Um, Maybe maybe they're just a little bit agitated that they're not getting a, a bigger slice of the pie in terms of in terms of money. Um, I know a lot of the talk. If you if you listen to a lot of the ex 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 Wallabies um, out of Australia, a lot of them saying, "Gee, I, I, I'm not too sure if we should be doing that because we we want our players to get better, and the only way we can get get better is actually to continue to play against New Zealand players and I, I personally think both parties need each other although from what I believe New Zealand have also thrown their own hand grenade back and to be honest I, I just don't think that's helpful but we know that the relationship has been a little strained over the, the last couple of couple of seasons I just find it hard to believe when they've just Brought in the likes of Moana Pacifica, um, the Fijian Drua, why you why you would just basically uh, decide to throw that hand grenade in, and um, and and just let everything pass by the by the wayside. I'm pretty sure there's a there, there is an alternate angle involved in this. Yeah, and John O'Connor, a, a uh, been a while since we've had you on the show, John, but he comments as yeah, Super Rugby is a three month uh, fight to see who gets to make the final and lose to the Crusaders. Absolutely <laughs> true. Um, but um, the uh, look, I, I agree. I, I think that um, uh, Australian rugby and New Zealand rugby both need um, each other. Uh, absolutely. Um, the uh, there's lots of talk about bringing in Japan, etc. Now, look, Japan has just started up its own professional league. I'm sorry, folks, but Japan in the Super Rugby um, or in or in a, or sort of cross competition like that, that that boat has sailed. Um, the opportunity was there with the uh, Sunwolves um, to then perhaps um, add some um, uh, add some extra uh, teams. On top of that, um, was there, and that unfortunately has just uh, say that ship sailed. They blew it. Um, when they had um, the um, the opportunity, um, so the uh, look, both sides need each other. In some ways, I think New Zealand needs um, Australia more than Australia needs New Zealand, but that's uh, uh, that's um, up to uh, up to debate and and obviously a, a, an opinion. I understand that. Um, Paul Cully in the uh, Sydney Morning Herald has given the pros and cons from an Australian point of view of um, pulling out. And I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, in this, he's gone, first off, there will be an Australian final every year, an Australian winner, which, let's be honest, Australians like, as we've seen in NRL and uh, um, those uh, ARL, etc. Uh, in those sort of competitions, they, they've, they've got some big sports in Australia that are not international. Uh, and let's be honest, that's Rugby Union's uh, sort of trump card over those ones. Um, but clearly, Australians like that too. Control. Boy, oh boy. That's a big one, because let's be honest, New Zealand has built... Super Rugby, um, trans, uh, Super Rugby Pacific, by and they were the they were the people who um, the Drua and Moana Pacifica franchises negotiated with 
um, and then afterwards they got the um, Australian sign-off. Um, so look, uh, I think that that uh, lack of having a say uh, is something that they're upset about. And then rivalries. Um, Blues versus the Brumbies is spicy, but it's nowhere near as spicy as Reds versus Brumbies, for example. But we agree with that in New Zealand as well. Look, the local derbies, etc. On the downside, money. <laughs> yes. Um, and he says, Australia will probably lose the Fiji and Drua. Apparently, the Drua have not been happy um, with how things went over in Australia. Um, the crowds are much smaller than expected, hence that final game um, against the Chiefs, I think it was, that was, was, was moved at the last minute to Fiji. Um, and then uh, finally, the uh, Wallabies coach and, um, as you say, Stephen, some of the ex-players aren't a fan of it because of testing players and growing them. But um, that control piece, I think, is is one of the big pieces. Uh, so there's those three those three pieces on final control and rivalries. Um, control, clearly, if New Zealand rugby was to work with Rugby Australia uh, and rather than this is how it is, sign off. Um, that piece could be um, that, that that piece could be mitigated, um, and I have ways that the other two could be. But for me, look, one of the problems with Super Rugby is it's changed every two to three years um, over the last decade, and um, from from that point of view, um, the uh, it just needs to settle down into a format um, so that people can understand what it is. We've got a format now that's pretty much the same as NRL. Uh, therefore, look, it's one that the sporting public in Australia and New Zealand are used to. I don't think it's a perfect format, but I think since we've got it, since it's one that people can recognise, look, let's just stick with it for a while, please, and, and let it grow. Because um, to me, change again within two years would be the worst thing. Um, but that's my opinion. Yeah, Paul. Something, something I'd like to see, and I know that the New Zealand Rugby Union would never, would never go for it. I'd like to see, see a situation where you see a lot of in, in, internal movement around the around the Super Teams. Where, uh, say, for example, if a Baden Barrett wants to go and play for the Queensland Reds for a season, he can he can shoot over there, but still be selected by by New Zealand Rugby. Give the, you know, I think that'd just be a great opportunity for a, a couple of these sides whether it be a Melbourne Rebels or a Western Force, to pick up a couple of, you know, really decent decent marquee players so we can see a little bit of bit of movement and those players can still be selected for the All Blacks. That's something I would I would love to see. I mean, to say from a, a New Zealand point of view, it would create a heck of a lot more interest. For me, there were times that um, it was pretty hard work staying up to watch the, the late games from uh, from Australia to watch stay up till about 12 o'clock to watch the Western Western Force play the Rebels. I'll be honest, I probably never ever did that. But if, if you know what I mean, if there's if, if there's some New Zealand players, a couple of New Zealand marquee players running around, I'd probably stay up. Um, on saying that, we've we've also um, pretty much heard from a lot of the a lot of the New Zealand coaches during the year that we don't seem to have the quality that we did in the past with some of these super teams. So whether there's enough to go around, I don't really know. I, I think the New Zealand Rugby Union do like the fact that uh, players are centrally contracted and they can do their best to keep them within the country under their under their cap. Like I think, to me, as you say, I, I, I think, yeah, there's this idea that um, you can only be selected for New Zealand, uh, for the All Blacks, if you're in New Zealand. Um, as long as the contract that you have releases you for, for the uh for things like um training sessions um uh, allows the all blacks 
management to say you must rest this player then, then why not let them play in Australia or New Zealand? It's not a big deal. Uh, vice versa, uh, bring Australians over here. I mean, look at someone like Jack Debrasini, okay? Somebody who was at the Rebels um, and was, uh, let's be honest, we would thought <laughs> not very good, um, came across to play for Northland um, uh, and did a fantastic job uh, at um, uh, Midas 10 Cup level at the time, now now Bunnings NPC, uh, and got a contract with them, the Chiefs and looked decent at the Chiefs. Um, a couple of those Australian guys coming over here and uh, learning a bit also might not be a bad thing either. Long term, a strong Wallabies is a good thing for the All Blacks uh, and for New Zealand rugby. Let's be honest, um, whilst we don't want to lose the Bledders low, um, it might not be a bad thing for the interest in the sport and for oh, the game oh. if we did lose it for a year um, and then got it back again. Um, maybe oh. lost it once every 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree, Paul. And they, they slowly are, to be fair. They are st starting to slowly um, develop some depth as well. Even looking through the Australia A side, um, you know, there were guys um, like Reese Hodge with, with with test experience. And, uh, you know, obviously a, lo a lot of guys who'd uh, uh, performed for their franchises without making the, the main Australian side. But I must admit that Australian squad um, with the, the likes of the guys like Kurabete and uh, Kerevi and um, Cooper, Quade Cooper, um, all of a sudden that side just looks like it's got some strength strength again and a little bit a little bit of punch to it. And in all honesty, folks, I would not be surprised if Australia did say bugger off, we're going to try it if they don't get what they're trying to get. I do believe this is this is mainly a um, a bargaining thing to get a share of TV revenues. Now, the TV revenue numbers that have been put out there um, are not entirely uh, clear because a lot of those, because those numbers do also include, from a New Zealand point of view, the All Blacks and Bunnings NPC and the Farrah Palmer Cup um, games um, as well. And over in Australia, will also include various uh, the Wallabies games um, and other things as well. So, um, the uh, so from that um, uh, from from that point of view, look, guys. Uh, that those don't take those numbers at total face value, but clearly, um, New Zealand rugby uh, has more money to give to the Super Rugby teams than Australia does, and that's not going to end up with a balanced and competitive competition if we have one side having more money than the other. So, um, to me, on that one, um, I think it's I, I, I do think that uh, revenue sharing needs to be need, uh, of some level needs to happen. Um, and that so New Zealand rugby needs to understand that it is, yeah, okay, New Zealand is an island, but um, it's not going to survive as a sport on its own. It needs to play, it needs, it needs strong teams to play, um, and it needs to work well um, with, um, uh, with the Wallabies. And I wouldn't be surprised to say if the Wallabies did walk away uh, and try and set up their own competition. Would it be successful? Maybe not. I think it could be a disaster, um, but I can see them doing it. What we do, what, what I think we need from a rugby point of view is just Super Rugby Pacific to stay as it is um, for, uh, uh, for for another four to eight years um, and just let fans get used to it, in all honesty. Um, somebody's asked us about average crowd content, uh, attendance in the chat. I'll be honest, I have no idea um, what, um, it, what, what, it, what it's been like this um, season. Um, look, clearly fantastic final um and also in all honesty a, um, a sellout for the urc as well uh final but i do believe they have covid restrictions and so therefore it's only a 50 stadium but even so uh, it's a big stadium it's a lot of people um 
so great sale for the final but um i'll be honest i don't think that the numbers were good on the tv or crowd or, or, or at the grounds during the regular season yeah originally paul from what i believe um it, it, it struggled initially but um it, it it picked up as the season season developed a little bit more interest and I, and I think what what might have picked up I think there was a surprise with everybody that um, the Australian teams were probably way more competitive than people thought thought they would be um, and um, which which is a little bit of a surprise too why they why they'd want to pull out when all of a sudden you could see this rapid rapid improvement from the wallaby sides and that's what I'm looking forward to to next year if these wallaby teams are competitive next year you just ask the question why would you pull out now yep yeah folks uh, we need to move on from this one um, uh, and talk some um, super rugby um, sorry not super rugby <laughs> some oh dear me United Pacific Championship rugby. Four, no, no, not in URC either. No, Pacific Four Series, some women's rugby. Because um, at the weekend, um, the uh, Black Ferns uh, fin uh, won their third game on the bounce, beating um, the USA um, to uh, finish top of the um, Pacific Four Series, with Canada um, beating the uh, Wallaroos um, to uh, come second. Uh, the uh, With the uh, USA beating the Wallaroos in the midweek, uh, sorry, mid in round two, that meant the USA finished um, third, uh, with the uh, Wallaroos finishing fourth. Um, overall, um, what does that mean from um, the the kind of rankings? Uh, New Zealand remain number two overall in the world, um, ahead of France, who have moved up to third after the Canada, that Canada's loss. Um, yes, that's right. Uh, the France, who beat um, the uh, Black Ferns twice last November, um, are ranked beneath the uh, Black Ferns still. Uh, Canada dropped from third to fourth during this series. Um, but uh, England are number one on 96 points, five points, uh, sorry, seven points clear um, of New Zealand, um, who are only one and a half points clear of France. So New Zealand, France and Canada are pretty close together in the rankings. Uh, then there's a 10 point gap to the USA who have climbed from seventh up to fifth. So it's been a good series for them. Australia dropped from uh, sixth down to eighth. So uh, not a great series um, for them uh, on that one. Um, the uh, We were talking about this uh, earlier today um, about the Black Ferns. Now, look, great for the Black Ferns to get three wins. But I think what, we've, what this confirms is that you've basically got England, a gap, France, a gap, New Zealand, a gap, and then other people <laughs> um, that... Uh, Whilst uh, New Zealand are kind of because um, because France lost to England during the uh, uh, the Women's Six Nations um, uh, comfortably, um, so whilst uh, the uh, the Black Ferns have, have have got those three wins, it's good for morale. Uh, I think we're seeing that basically they're best of the rest, um, and it's still going to be very tough for them to uh, uh, come the um, Rugby World Cup. But we agree there were three things or uh, that that. Um, Wayne Smith needed to do with this Black Ferns one team. One was to make it a happy environment. Now, if you've seen, if you've been over to uh, patreon.com forward slash sport radio and listened to my interview there, um, post-match interview with um, Aisha and uh, Ruby, uh, the two wingers for after game two, you'll see that it is a happy environment. He's done that. Tick. Two, um, performances need to improve. 
Um, and uh, if you've listened to, um, oh, I've gone blank. Um, oh, Soper, um, the uh, who's, who's obviously very um, Alice vocal. Soper, yeah, Alice Soper, thank you. A very vocal um, uh, women's champion. She went on the uh, radio this morning and said, "Yeah, look, she could see how this team, the shapes, the fact that yeah, they are moving forwards, which is good to see." So yeah, look, the the play has improved. Mm. Um, and the final thing he had to do was, was rebuild confidence. Um, and uh, because uh, uh, because obviously after those four losses, um, in New Zealand had never, or sorry, the, the, the Blackfans had never <laughs> had that run of results before, um, and have some Blackfans were playing in this series having never won in a black jersey. Um, which uh, when I listened to the um, What's the Lad podcast, um, where he interviewed, um, oh, I've gone blank, the number nine, except uh, Conrad Kendrick Cottage. Um, uh, the, on that one, she talked about the fact that yeah, some of the girls had never won in a black jersey. And it was important to get those wins in there. Um, that uh, yeah, I think what, what Wayne Smith has done, yeah, tick 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 on the three things he really needed to do in uh, uh, in this series, Stephen. Oh, absolutely! Listen, it was a good way to finish the with that win, fifty to six over the USA and Asia Letiaga. You know, just she's in a, a really hot run of form at the, at the moment, taking their try as well. But I also like that they've got a little bit of punch in the, in their back line with Duplessis and and Demont. The captain has been really, really impressive, and um, and also while she um, she didn't uh, play on the weekend, um, the young Les Baker um, with the hyphenated name. Uh, Olsen Baker, who's, who's been a real find, and that's the great thing about it. All of a sudden, they're actually finding these playing players. Renee, Renee Holmes, playing in the in the in the fifteen jersey, getting more and more confidence, scoring a brilliant fifty meter try off what was a really really good spot tackle. She picked up the scraps and 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 bolted in from fifty meters. So that's the thing; they're actually coming together really well. And all of a sudden, there's a group of new players that are starting to to put their hand up. I was really impressed with uh, uh, Yan Wu, um, who started at lock as, as well. You know, really big ranging, rangy girl. Can I say that? Um, solid rangy girl would probably be a better better way to describe her. But just good with ball in hand, and uh, you know, they're going to have to be really, really good in the, in the physicality stakes when they do come up the, the Frances and the Englands of this world. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Um... The uh, and I guess the other point here is, as you say, uh, with that, uh, look, the, the, the Black Ferns are behind um, the development cycle that they would want, they would have wanted coming into the Rugby World Cup. Let's be blunt, um, you wouldn't want to be debuting so many players, um, this uh, this close to Rugby World Cup, but COVID, um, and uh, and basically the situation that they've ended up in with those losses, um, have uh, have, have, have necessitated this. Also, a couple of injuries, I mean, Les Elder. Um, and um, and Blackwell, the uh, the captain and co-captain from that November tour, both out, uh, unavailable for this series as well. So, um, so yeah, look, it, it, it's it, it isn't where they wanted they would have wanted to be, but it, but they're in a, but they're doing well considering where they were. The other piece um, here um, in this one that um, uh, is is when and where do the sevens players come back into this? Now, um, something that was said off camera, um, but it was basically at the um, post-match media conference. So I, I, I think it's I think it's fair to put it on the record because uh, he's surrounded by journalists when he said this. Um, 
uh, Wayne Smith said, that, look, he gets his players back two weeks. He gets his sevens players back two weeks um, kind of before the tournament. So it's, it's or, or did like two weeks of proper training, something like that. Um, now he's got them for training things, but he hasn't got them for games. And that puts him in a very difficult situation, let's be blunt. Um, the way that you've got someone like Aisha, um, Ruby Tui going well on the other wing in the first two games as well. You got a question. Will players like Portia Woodman actually be able to get back into this site? Um, they, uh, they're not part of the, the we know there's a cultural re, re, rebuild. They're not part of that. There's a skills and a, and a play style review. They're not part of that. Neither is Kelly Brazier, who is the uh, Blackferns um, 12 uh, coming into um, uh, on that November tour. Um, um, not Ruby Tui. Uh, there's, a, there's, 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 there's three or four others. Um, as well from that sevens team who have been part of this. Uh, and um, if you ask any uh, casual um, Black Ferns fan, or actually even any educated Black Ferns fan, you go, um, will Portia Woodman be selected for the, or, or be in the starting 15 for the Rugby World Cup? They'll go, yes. Um, I'm not so sure, to be honest. I think she's got a, I think she's got a bit of a battle on her hands. Well, Paul, all, all of a sudden you've got a bit, you know, you you're talking about all the all these players. There's a battle for numbers all of a sudden, and that's a good thing. It's a health healthy thing. Everybody's under pressure to actually make this team four months out, and I'm I'm pretty sure Wayne Smith will have a you know, and his rest of his coaching staff will have a quiet little smile on their faces that they're now getting a competition within the squad. Yeah, and look, folks, just so, so just so we're clear, and I'm not putting words into people's mouth. What he, what he said was that uh, he had for two weeks, and obviously that was going to be difficult. Um, everything else is my conjecture off the back of that. Um, so, um, but um, so yeah, so in, interesting that uh, um, on that one. Um, the um, so yeah, so interesting what uh, that'll happen. But yeah, look, it's it's been a good series to the Black Ferns. They're heading in the right direction, um, and let's just hope that. Um, uh, that's uh, yeah. Let's hope that they that they that they're competitive come the Rugby World Cup and um, mm. we have a good Rugby World Cup because I mean the more teams that are competitive the better um, and we just we don't want to see England effectively walk away with that. Look, I'm English. I want England to win it, right? Let's be blunt. <laughs> what I don't want to see is them just walk away with it at, at a in, in in a procession because that is, that's just not good for the women's game. What is good for the women's game though is that they have forced. So England were the first country to go for with, with 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 these contracts on the 15 side. Uh, obviously, we've seen the Black Ferns start to uh, step that up now. Um, what we've also had recent news is that Scotland are also um, stepping up with contracts as well. So, look, it's taking time. These things don't happen overnight. Um, but um, clearly, England's move to to professionalise the women's game at the international level, at least, um, and uh, have that Premier 15s as well, is starting to force the other unions uh, to take women's rugby more seriously uh, and to put money, more money behind it, which for me um, is, uh, is, 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 a, is a good thing um, in this one. But we do need to uh, get some, uh, it does, we do need to build up the interest, build up the crowds and, and be able to fill bigger venues because let's be honest, people standing around the sideline um, in Tauranga uh, is not an international venue. Um, Waitakere, um, uh, and Waitakere again, uh, yes, um, there's there's a stand there and they have played international sevens, the Oceania sevens there. But again, that's that's not really uh, an international quality stadium, um, in all honesty. Uh, look, up in um, Northland, 
where you've uh, that is a proper stadium that's used for NPC and used for well at least semi-professional and and and, and has hosted Super Rugby and stuff up there. So that was a proper stadium. So that was the first time they played uh, in a proper stadium after in those three rounds. So to me, I think we need to build to yeah they, they need to build the interest so that we can fill um, uh, better stadiums. Am I talking about Phil Fing Eden Park? No, that, that's look that's some time off. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, but some of the but some places like po- I mean, obviously Pocono is a bit um, a bit dated, um, but filling some of these NPC grounds would be um, would be a good thing, um, I think. There we go. Um, the uh, oh, first question today. Um, uh, do you think uh, World Rugby should allow women to play in the country that plays the most without being blocked by play internationally? No. Um, Let's. Uh, I, I think women should be treated the same as the men, uh, in that yeah, which is the same same international regulations. Um, let's not try doing uh, having different reg- regulations, different things. Um, we're obviously running uh, a bit long, Stephen, um, and I know you want to talk about some Auckland club rugby. Um, oh, well, I'm quite, I was going to say I'm quite happy to put it on hold, but it'd be remiss of us not to mention the um, <clears throat> the United Rugby Rugby Championship and. Um, I look. I look back over the the twenty, um, the twenty twenty one season, and um, it was really interesting. Obviously, South Africa joining the uh, the URC in in twenty twenty one. But um, boy, you got to say what a, what a turnaround for a South African team to come to come through and and, and take out the United Rugby Championship um, this year. And um, and full credit to the Stormers as as one of our uh, as our posters put before we. Haven't, haven't they haven't won the uh, too many championships this former so it's good to see them take 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 one out and that might be uh revenge uh, um a little bit of revenge for the for the for the stormers who have, who have sort of uh, never quite got across the line especially in in super rugby yeah so um I'm just scrolling back to try and find uh, that um, that comment by LB in the live chat um as you say uh yeah it's their first one in um uh, it's the first in, uh, first time in 30 years, or the first time they've ever won one. LB says, yes, in my 30 years, we've made finals, but never won. So he's very happy uh, with the Storms. So congratulations on the Storms with that one. Um, look, uh, and uh, I think everyone uh, had Leinster nailed on to win this. So well done to this African side stopping Leinster along the way. Um, there needs to be a global season, folks. <laughs> Nothing new here, because the rugby championship is going to clash with the beginning of the URC, um, and so at some point that needs to be sorted out. Um, but uh, hey, it'll be interesting to see um, how they do sort um, how they do sort that one out. So, so this game was played at Cape Town Stadium, not Newlands. Oh, geez, you put me on the spot here. I don't know. Mm, I, th- I think it might have been if it was half full. At thirty thousand, I'm, I'm suggesting it might be that because didn't they build a, a new stadium, sort of uh, just down the road? It's um, interesting. Yes, yes, they did, and I'm talking now to try and scroll through my tribe sports app <laughs> to find it, and I can't. Sorry, folks, too many things in here. URC, there we go. Full time, Storm is eighteen. Um, the Bulls thirteen at Cape Town Stadium. Yes, so yep, down the road in the new stadium. Um, so, folks, look. Next week, as I say there'll be no. We've got no super rugby to cover. But don't worry. We'll be looking forward to the, um, particularly to the All Blacks um, versus Ireland, and also Australia um, versus England. Obviously, 
the uh, um, the uh, All Blacks uh, or New Zealand and Australian teams, the ones we know best. And being English, I'm obviously interested in their tour to what to the to Australia. Um, hopefully, I will be having immediate, getting immediate pass to the Maori All Blacks uh, versus um, Ireland, and that's uh, at in Hamilton. Um, so hopefully, uh, we'll be uh, getting. Um, I'll be able to bring you some coverage of that game. Um, I'm also being invited onto a Irish podcast to talk about this this uh, this series coming up as well. Um, so lots of stuff um, coming up, even if there is no rugby. Um, and uh, obviously, we will talk about the um, Auckland club scene um, next week on the show because Stephen's been doing some fantastic work getting round all of those games. Uh, he's doing a write-up of every single round on our Facebook page. So do check that out on uh, New Zealand Sports Radio Facebook page um, as well. Um, where you can get a review of every single round. And look, this was an exciting round this last weekend when you got got games like East Tamaki, uh, Manukau, 22-22. So we've got a draw there. Pa um, Pakaranga beating Marist, which is a bit of an upset by 22-19. Uh, so that was a close one as well. So um, some games um, not so close, uh, but also um, Papi Totoi um, beating uh, University, 14-15. So we'll... Uh, uh, Look, it's there's, there's been there were some cracking results from the weekend, Steve. Yeah, that 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 result there, the university uh, Papatoitoi result. Nobody actually saw that one, that one coming. Uh, university had been up unbeaten up until that point, so um, we're well over the halfway point. I think there's about five five rounds to uh, go in the uh, the round robin. I'll be heading out to Eden this weekend to watch them play uh, East uh, Tamaki, who are sitting down there. In uh, eighth in eighth place, so uh, um, they'll be looking to probably bank a bank a win and try and head a bit further up into the table. As for Eden, still looking for their first win of the season, but we'll uh, catch up with our friend of the friend of the show, Amon Halasey, uh, uh, who will be at Eden on the uh, weekend. So uh, yeah, look out for NZ Sport Radio uh, this uh, Saturday. Hopefully, we'll get some sunshine, unlike last weekend. <laughs> yes, where it was. Uh... Yeah, very wet. So um, don't forget, folks, the, we've got the sound-off show on a Wednesday evening of where you can um, hear uh, um, uh, Brad and um, Richie crying about uh, the state of uh, Warriors Rugby League. Um, and uh, we'll be back on uh, Monday evening um, with the uh, Drive More show to talk all things rugby union. So uh, have, a great uh, have a great week and uh, stay safe, folks. Yeah, Thank thanks, Paul. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 